Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome. This is um, Brenda Lanoff. And this is a platform called TalkShoe. And I love to introduce some interesting people. And uh, I have an interesting guest on today. I'm really quite pleased to uh, have been able to have her come on the show and talk about something that's really a passion for myself as well. So today, my guest is Catherine Bell. Now, I'll just give you some information about Catherine before we have, on, have her come on. So Catherine is the author of a revolutionary business book called The Awakened Company. Her book has numerous awards, bestseller in the business and leadership category, a bestseller one week after its release, a bestseller on Amazon, and chosen as eight of the best leadership books of 2015. The book has been recognized as a top book combining business and mindfulness. So Catherine's been published in Fortune, HBR, Profit, Conscious Company, Women of Influence, and written for the UN. Catherine's founded Blue Era, an executive search and team transformation company that was a Profit 500 company, a top 200 growing company in Canada, and a top in Alberta, Canada, and was the best workplace. Um, Blue Era was a company purchased by DHR, one of the largest executive search firms in the world. She has worked around the globe from the UK to Cuba and with Fortune 500 companies to, to serial entrepreneurs. Catherine has an MBA from the Smith School of Business at Queen's University a sociology degree from Western University, certified in the Enneagram, I believe I'm pronouncing that properly, which is a yoga, as a yoga instructor. So Catherine now consults all over the world on how to create awakened companies. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me, Brenda, and hello, everybody out there. Thank you for coming on. And before we begin, I have to tell you how I came across your book. Very rarely, and I have to admit this, do I purchase books. And I'm in, I believe it was chapters in Calgary before our trip out of the country. And this book was like The Awakened Company. And it was, oh my gosh, that looks interesting. Oh my goodness, here it is, uh, you know, a, a Calgary author. And uh, we're both in the city of um, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which has been going through some challenging times, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. And it just really spoke to me. Um, after having come out of the oil and gas industry for over 30 years myself, so I took it with me, <laughs> threw it in my suitcase, went to Spain, and it was like, you know, it, I just felt so connected and to your words in the book. Um, I love how the company's aim is to awaken the fire within organizations with passion, purpose, and playfulness. So I'm excited for you to discuss the book What and what was the primary motivational factor for you being involved in the process of um, as an author for this book, what was it that awakened you, I guess is the question, to have um, written this book? So, Brenda, in many ways, um, when you look at organizations, the lights are off. The lights are not not on, and I mean that not literally, but more emotionally. So when the lights are on in an organization, you feel like it's alive, it's vibrant, it's like a it's like a forest. 
And being in executive search, I was walking into many, many organizations, and I noticed the lights were off. And then I began to do some research, and about 85% of businesses, people are disengaged. So people are asleep uh, at work. And I just thought it just... I just thought, you know, what about my kids? Do I really want them growing up in a disengaged world? In a world where people aren't connected emotionally, physically, mentally to where they're spending the majority of time in their day. And I just felt that there was another way uh, of working. And so really the book was almost a meditation on how do we create awakening for ourselves and our relationships, and our, our teams, and our, our organizations, and our communities, and our world. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying um, of having come from over, you know, the corporate world, um, and specifically us oil and gas companies in Calgary, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of change over the years, or decades. I have to say decades, even though it feels strange to say that, but it has been decades. And um, I did feel the fire, you know, a long time ago when I first started in the industry. And then things have just changed. You know, the lights have have been dimming. And I just feel I don't belong anymore. I don't understand. I don't understand the culture. And I don't understand at this point in time why companies haven't shifted to the degree that they need to shift to be productive in all areas. And I, I, I don't get it. And I don't get how companies don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's fascinating. Like the, the data on organizations. So just to, to kind of, give people a sense of what's what's happening out there. So we have 80, about 85% of people are, are disengaged at work, and that's from Gallup. And then we have the majority of people rating the worst time of their day, so worse than taking out the trash, worse than cleaning out the kitty litter as the time with their bosses. And then um, we have 75% of organizations fail within the first decade. So it's clear to me that we're not setting out the right context to um, really create engaged and alive and awakened uh, uh, workplaces. So the book and it was really focused on three, there were three pillars. There's business research. So uh, looking at what does the business research tell us, which I just went through some of it. What um, do practical leaders what do they do of more awakened organizations? So I interviewed the CEO of Patagonia, Rosemar Cario, um, looked at what people are actually doing in the workplace. And then the third is I look to wisdom traditions because I, I, to get kind of another perspective on how do we improve, how do we, how do we move from that asleep-awake line. And we all know, Brenda, whether we're coming from an asleep place or an awakened place. So those were the pillars of, of my research. And so how do we how do we really solve and investigate this disengagement, this lack of pa- lack of relationship and relatedness with with our leaders? And also, isn't that sad for the leaders? Uh, it goes both ways. That it's sad for the people reporting to the leaders and also the leaders. And and how do we create organizations that kind of stand the test of time so that we don't have seventy five percent of organizations. Uh, uh, not surviving the first nine years. So what what came back to me in terms of best practices, just for your audience to begin to think about, is for on the individual piece. So if we begin to think of awakening ourselves as one circle, awakening our relationships as the next circle, awakening our teams as the next circle, is what can we do in each one of those circles to to create more awakened practices. So what we do know is that the more um, self-aware people are, the higher performing they are. So begin within our organizations to do some self-awareness. What are my gifts? What are my work-ons? What do I need to, what do I need to, should I be contributing to the world? So begin with self-awareness. 
And what's also interesting is mindfulness. And mindfulness is, of course, the state of being, uh, of being present, of being in the here and now, is to our leaders, for everybody in organizations, to cultivate mindfulness practices. There was a study done in Europe, and I find this study so interesting, and I mentioned it in the book, um, where they, they looked at corporate social responsibility. And there were those organizations that studied corporate social responsibility. And then there was another set, another group, that studied mindfulness. So there were two groups, the, the social responsibility ones and the mindfulness groups. And then they actually looked at, after they had taught um, these courses, mindfulness or corporate social responsibility, the, the group that had actually studied mindfulness were more corporately socially responsible than those who studied corporate social responsibility. So we know that the, the power of the brain and, and what mindfulness does to our brain, um, how it, it improves our ability to make decisions. So this in and of itself flips our whole leadership. Do we teach people leadership or do we teach them mindfulness? So I think we need to begin everybody with daily practices of uh, mindfulness practices. At uh, Blue Era, we actually had stillness breaks where anybody in the organization could call stillness break and everybody or anybody who wanted to could, would go and, and stop in stillness together. Now, in terms oh. of, yeah, it, it, it really, it's a, it's a whole, it's a different way of thinking about things and being, really. Oh, it's, you know, that just sounds, you know, the optimal workspace a person should be in. I, I can think of times, uh, one particular company that I worked at, uh, I mean, there's bizarre stories that, that can come out of the um specifically my my own personal experience with the oil and gas industry of the times that we've gone through um and a, a lot of fear uh placed in in um people uh, within the downturns um mm-hmm. the idea of mindfulness exactly i think that that's where if if people and companies can look at how they can thrive and 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 produce and have good economic bottom line, <laughs> but how do you get to these? How do you get to the corporate decision makers? To to how how does that shift occur? Because it's ultimately to their benefit. But if the ones that are making the decisions at the top, how do you reach those people? So, I paradoxically. Um, I believe it is both data and um, vulnerability. Uh, so, for example, most CEOs, so we know that 75% of businesses do not survive past nine years. What we also know is, this is research from Keller and Price on Beyond Performance, is that those organizations that focus simultaneously on organizational culture and financial results are the top performing organizations time and time again. Now, what I found is most often when I go into CEOs, they're focused solely on the financial performance. And what we also know is the organizations that focus solely on financial performance are the lowest performing organizations. The organizations that focus on culture are kind of the middle one. They perform better than those that focus solely on financial performance. But the alchemy exists when we hold the um, financial performance and the cultural metrics with more of an emphasis on the cultural metrics. So begin to have a dialogue with organizations are, you know, how are you living your values? Do you know what your values are? What are you doing to consciously create the type of culture that you want to exist? within your organizations. And that's where I found that the the dialogue gets really, really interesting. So there's one organization I've worked with, and over the last decade, they've been measuring culture. And uh, they've been highly, highly, uh, in conjunction with financial results, and they've been highly, highly successful. So it's getting specific in terms of measuring what things are important to your organization that so go, beyond, like go beyond finances. So it's coming in with these um, companies that have a um, great, you know, record as to their profitability and and um, and happiness, mindfulness within within their employees. Mhm. Mhm. And, and giving them the data. 
Sorry, Brenda, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and and how no, and I like what you. I was, you know, I was, I was thinking how you convince, you know, that, that at the very top level, but providing the data with companies that are very successful. And I know that you do give some, you know, uh, examples of companies w- within the um, Waking Company book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting. I just want to quickly say when I was in uh, December and we were in uh, Scottsdale in Arizona. Uh, we were in this this tech company, and they just do web designs. And I felt like I was on another planet. We just happened to pop in, um, and the the culture was so interesting. Very, they're young, but you know that you they, you could have your dog with you. They did yoga. You know, they offered. They brought in lunch daily. <laughs> it was it was like wow, this is really cool. And people were happy to be there, and they could be making more money else elsewhere but they were so happy with the um, with the company and the way that they were treated and, and with respect uh, it, you could just feel it and that's where you could feel the energy and I thought my gosh this is what a wonderful example if you could just clone that and bring it back you know to so many companies mm-hmm. I mean, you want to be at work you want you want to feel that fire and that in your belly and excited about being at work and that's not how most companies that I see are operating. No, no, they're not up. They're not operating that way. And also, we want to be um, like when you think of the relationship piece. Um, how productive an employee is is in direct correlation to the relationship with their boss. And like, how do we create kind of fields between people where they feel really valued? How do we notice the awesomeness in people so for example that culture that you went in i bet people are noticing all the good things people are doing for one another and isn't it more exciting to go into and don't you want to repeat what you've done well you know how do in cultures in organizational cultures do we just begin to notice all the small things that people are doing right to create more of this field of um positivity and energy and can do um, you know, whereas I think disengagement goes down to less less than one percent of people are positively noticed versus those that are negatively noticed. But actually, the worst group is those that aren't even noticed at all. So I think in most companies, people aren't even noticed at all. So how do we bring back yeah. the sense of humanity, the sense of aliveness, the sense of depth and meaning uh, back into our organizations? I think that's the real invitation of creating awakening and awakened companies. I totally agree and I really believe it's the bottom financial line. Mm. If if it can be proven to these companies that they're going to uh you know as as to the money they they're going to be making at the end of the day, the profitability, that to me is going to raise their level of consciousness that maybe I need to do things differently. But otherwise, I don't see where companies are going to shift. But when it comes to the bottom line, their financial bottom line, I think they'll pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the invitation is for them to pay attention. And it's at their peril if they don't pay attention. Because if they don't pay attention, then chances are they will fail. And their organization won't survive. Um, and and ultimately, I also think the the leaders want uh, or their organizations to feel alive, to feel um, energized, to be engaged, and to have meaningful uh, relationships. And I, 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 there's also an invitation for us to look at executive compensation and all of this too. Um, really, uh, it, to me, it's not okay you know, the hundreds of times that uh, uh, executives are paid over the average paid worker. So how do we also create um, the the structure so that people are paid fairly for their work? Yes. You know, when, exactly. when I think of all the layoffs in Calgary, I really do feel the first person that should be cut, their, their salary should be cut is the CEO. Exactly. I remember one company way back when, but what they did, and I, it did make me feel valued, they gave some shares. Now, 
I don't know if at the end of the day they were, you know, how much value there were to those particular shares at that time. But it, I was part. It made me feel part of the movement. You know, I was part of the company. And it doesn't take a lot to make people feel valuable. Yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't. The simple things of just general respect. Respect mm-hmm. goes a long, long way for people feeling valued. And it does, I mean, it ultimately does begin at home. But uh, many people may not have that opportunity where they were dealt with, you know, as as a respectful person and may not be until they are in the workplace. So um, respect is so important. Respect. And I think you raise a really, really, really good point. Um, one of my mentors, Julian Barling, who's in the book, he's a professor at Queen's University and a researcher, he just asked, he asked everyone to consider what's the smallest thing you can do. And I think that's such a profound invitation because really it's just about a whole bunch of small things um, that, that we do daily. Uh, so I think that's an invitation for everybody uh, whether to you know extend kindness, extend respect, even extending a smile, uh-huh. an acknowledgement. What's the, what's the smallest thing that we can do that can have profound yeah. impact on people? Yeah, exactly. It's the smallest things that we can do that can really make that person's day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know I'm excited. Uh, I, I feel really drawn to help companies get that shift in their mindset. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I gather statistics about stress in the workplace. So I put in, you know, stress in the workplace, Google search every day. It's just amazing the amount of, of, of info that comes that's gathered in to my inbox every day, stress in the workplace. It's just, it's um it's incredible as to the as, as to the uh, growth uh, uh, within all most countries in the world, and how it's affecting most levels of anybody working with any type of um, industry. Mm-hmm. It's it's un- really unfortunate because we're living in these times that are are stressful, and um, and it just hasn't transitioned yet into the workplace and it tends it looks like it's getting worse instead of better yeah well it's dis, it, disengagement's gone up over the last year it hasn't gone down disengagement's gone so up. even more so as to the last year you're you're feeling yeah, yeah. no like wow. that, data-wise it is it's it's worse mm-hmm. it, it's worse um and and stress and um you know like i'm sure you know the data on you know, uh, a mental health. Like the majority uh-huh. of people, I think, are anti antidepressants. So what are we doing in our society? I know. I know. It's so true. It's, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And, and the statistics on that, I, I think I, what was it, one out of five people for sure is on some type of um, medication. So I know. Mm-hmm. It's like, so where do we... Where do we go with all of this at the at the end of the day? You know, um, I know it needs to be taught in, in schools and at home. What have you found to be the most effective way to getting this message across as a shift us to our consciousness and as to this new? We have to, it's a new paradigm. We have to think differently to survive. Mhm. Mhm. So first of all, I think people as individuals, a practice is to recognize when we're coming from an awakened place or an asleep place. So for example, um, getting on this call, I could say, well, who's going to listen to this? They may totally disagree with me. They may just, you know, cut me out. They may. So that's coming from my asleep, asleep place. Whereas mm-hmm. my awakened place is saying, you know, this is going to be a really interesting dialogue very curious to see what's going to happen, very curious to see what the questions will be. So first of all, we need to recognize for ourselves, it always begins within, of course, 
is um, from our hearts, minds, and bodies, are we coming from that more awakened state uh, to develop more self-awareness? So asking people to create really a dialogue, a conversation, okay, you know, ask three friends, what are my, what do you see as my strengths? What do you see as my work on? Or three colleagues, what do you see as my strengths? What do you see as my work on? So begin to have the conversation. And then in our relationships, um, you know, I looked at over a thousand people and only six percent preferred to have one-on-one relationship. So I think that's really an invitation for us all to spend time one-on-one, going deeper with each other, having more meaningful conversations. Um, so in the relationship piece, I'd say spending time one-on-one, uh, spending time noticing the awesome in other people. So recognizing uh-huh. all of the great things we're doing. And then organizationally, to have this emphasis on both cultural results and financial results. I mean, how many organizations, Brenda, are really measuring culture? Not very many. The time I, is now we've got to measure culture. Yeah, and, and I, I haven't seen it. And, you know, I mean, I can only talk primarily my my experience in, in the oil and gas industry, but it, it really does represent not just Alberta, but different um, countries um, that, that have, from around the world that have, you know, their headquarters uh, or offices can be in, in Calgary. So, uh, you know, it's just not limited to Alberta. It's not just limited to Canada. And I think this no. is more of a worldwide um, situation. So I... Um, I know that we need to be looking really deep inside, and I know we're going through some major uh, shifts um, right now at this moment on, in, in the world. And we, we do have to, to uh, have that mindfulness that you're talking about. And I like how you're incorporating that, by the way, in this book. I mean, it, it, it's so, it's like 50% of it, in my mind, is as to the mindfulness. And being appreciative and honoring the value in your coworker, and and to have and and the training involved. Um, I mean, I can remember a time that I was with a major corporation, and yes, went on this weekend retreat. And we took this um, it was type of um, a testing to see what you know where you are in your personality. I think it was called a Briggs Myers test at the time, but nothing changed. And so you come away with your this category, or or within another category, you come back to work, and it's the same thing all over again. So you're going, why would you spend the money to send employees and and their bosses to this expensive retreat, and then you're coming back, at the end of the day, nothing happens. You have to, so, impl- you have to implement what you have uh, learned, what you have gained. And I don't see that happening. So this is why I think measurement is really important. So what gets measured gets managed. I think that every organization to leadership 360s that are reported up to the board um, as well. Um, so what gets measured gets managed, and cultural surveys should be reported up to the to the board, to the leadership. And that requires vulnerability. Once you measure it, you can actually track track change. And for people not to be afraid, a lot of leaders are afraid to do that because they're afraid to see the results. And I think it's really the only effective way for us to see if there is change in terms mm-hmm. of organizations. And and every organization, really, it's really important. This is the whole cultural piece is, do we know why we exist? Do we know what we're contributing to the world mm-hmm. by existing as a, mm-hmm. an organization? And then measuring that contribution. Exactly, and what are you? Sorry, and and what are you giving back? So, say the oil and gas industry. Okay, you know, the, we we know the perception of oil and gas. So, what can we do to change that perception? And what can we show the world how we can uh, the good that comes out of um, technology, all the new technology that's out there, and um, it's it's shifting that that perception and getting mm-hmm. excited about it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Getting back to the community in the country, you know, getting back to the farmers, getting where you're giving back and not just taking. And then, you know, what can we give back to the earth? Yeah. 
and creating a, a case. It's almost like creating a case for your organization. Here, here's why we exist, and here's the what and the how of, of how we support our why. Um, I find a lot of organizations are lacking a lot of clarity around why they exist and also around the what and the how. So the invitation is for organizations to get clarity around why they exist, how they do it, and what they actually do, and then to start measuring that. And that's much more of the whole cultural piece. So for, people say, well, how do you measure culture, Kath? Well, there's many, many ways. You can measure it in terms of engagement. You can measure it in terms of did we hire people who live our values? And, a, and then in the first place, do we know our values? Does everybody know the values? Because ultimately strategy is action. And strategy is actually built on more. So it's more about moment-to-moment moment living that, than strategy. So how are we practicing what we, what we espouse? In organizations, so it's not just things just aren't lip service. It actually becomes a practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. Is that that's how we have to have to look at things? What have been the top companies that you really admire for how they're conducting business, how they're the morale within their company? and that you would suggest to um, leaders of other companies perhaps look at how they're doing business and look at their bottom line? Mm-hmm. There's, what companies well, there's, have, there's many, yeah. many great examples of uh, organizations who are doing fantastic things. And I also think that there no, I think we need to get rid of this sense of perfection that, that – there are many great organizations are also doing a lot of things wrong. So it's the invitation is to consider what practices do you want to incorporate into your organization that will work for you. So I personally love Patagonia because they take a stand. And it's not always popular, their stance. And I really feel and think that organizations that take a stand um, – for what they believe and what their community believes, uh, again, their noble purpose. Um, uh, and I really like, for example, Joel Solomon at Renewal Funds. I was just presenting with him at the Dalai Lama Center. Uh, was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Um, Method, um, Seven Generation. Like, there's just there's a great list uh-huh. of organ Apple. And there's also organizations yeah. who do a lot of things right, and then they do think something wrong. So, you know, let's take what we want to practice. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and in Calgary, for example, I think Arc Financial does a lot of things right, and they're, do, they're private equity for oil and gas companies. Yet they're really oh, focused on culture. Yeah, you know? it's really interesting. The, um, it's called the Alberta Treasury Branch, for those that mm-hmm. are not I love aware of them. that. Well, they're yeah. So here they are, and I just think you guys are so brilliant for for what you're what you're creating here. And I'm going to be doing a talk here actually next week at the ATB. But it um, so here it is. It's it's a bank, but it's it's specific for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I thought you guys are so smart because what they're doing is that and if somebody can come in, apply to do a you know a, a talk at twelve o'clock. So people go there at their lunchtime. It could be how to create an app. It could be as to anything. Um, And so you pick and choose what you want to go to. But at the end of the day, they could be inviting you then to open up an account with Alberta Treasury Branch. And the ones that do have an account with Alberta Treasury Branch, they may be accepted more so to present. So it's Mm -hmm. just it's a win-win situation. And they may not be perfect, I don't know, but I think it's brilliant what they're doing and i and um and and to bring that type of mentality uh into um other corporations is it's um fantastic you know mm-hmm. they're 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 giving back, but they're also receiving mhm totally totally a t p is a fantastic example, and they also the strength of their culture is super important to them. So yeah, not only is it important them for, yeah to them for them to to serve their their customers and to build up our community the strength of their culture within is super important mm-hmm. and Lauren Rubis heads that up and he's 
He's phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah, phenomenal. So every day, if we look around, there's typically many organizations doing a lot of things right. So to, yeah. to, to see what's happening that's right and then to, to emulate it and encourage it, because our brain's almost wired to focus on the negative. So then we create contexts which are negative. So really to reframe our brain through mindfulness and practice, oh, look at all these things right. Even for us, like this, having this interview over the phone, a lot of things have to be going right for this to happen. And yeah. isn't that amazing, Brenda? Yeah. And it's rewiring the brain. And I know you do mention that within the book that... Uh that our brain, I'm just going to quote, literally disconnects old circuit based on ego, freeing us to see ourselves, others, and situations in ways yet undreamed of. So more awareness strengthens the prefrontal lobes, which helps us to be more ethical, compassionate, insightful, and intuitive, less anxious, depressed, fearful, and impulsive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. It's rewiring the brain. And we mm-hmm. can do that. And that's exciting. <laughs> I mean, it, that you have that ability to actually change the, the thought process and be more positive because we're surrounded by negativity. That's where I can just be a hermit, and it's not good, you know. And so to get out there and to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded, mm-hmm. you know, masterminding with other people, like, okay, how, you know, and just to keep that energy high and being able to bring that into corporate. Mm-hmm. And I don't you think that people are craving a sense of realness? Oh, you know absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do see that. I Well, I see disillusionment at all, you know, stages, like the millennial, um, millenniums, um, uh, you know, baby boomers such as myself who've been discarded which really upsets me. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, you get to a certain point in time and, and here are these people, tremendous amount of knowledge who are willing to, um, who want to work, who want to participate, want to give back, who have been just discarded. So it's this society of just discarding and, mm-hmm. and not valuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... and- you know, people are, are craving depth and meaning in their lives. Uh, and yet, what you were just talking about, this discarding, kind of discredits all of that. When there really is so much meaning and depth uh, in our world, it's just almost our ability to see it and to to experience it uh, and to experience day-to-day in our workplaces. Um, and to value was, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, Brenda, I think death is just a great awakener. So if people go to work thinking, you know, they could possibly die today, how do they want to live their lives? Um, and that, even that thought can bring people to above the line is, you know, you know and none of us know when our time is, right? No, none of us know. So it's really, that question is, if I were to die today, how would I want to be remembered? Uh-huh. I think people need to bring to work. I also think people need to bring to consider, there's very few people who I've met in my life who've really looked at what is the purpose of my life? What is the vision for my life? How do I want to be remembered? So for people to, you know, write their own write their own obituary for people to um, write their their vision. And as a daily practice, to read that, to remember yeah. who and what they really are, I think that could also totally uh-huh. change the field of organizations. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. I, I, I see a lot of... Um, I see a lot of employees that are just crumbling with health issues related to mm. stress in the workplace. Mm. And, yeah, 
And and it's unfortunate because if if the stress isn't dealt with, you are going to have that person off on disability. You're going to have to replace the person that's now on disability. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a mess. And, um, you know, many companies, their employees, they're, they're, uh, they're doing the work, maybe two people, three people, because layoffs continue. Now, I'm talking here in Alberta. Uh, that may not be the case in a lot of places uh, in the States or maybe other places in Calgary, the con- and provinces in, Cal- and, in Canada, sorry. But um, definitely, that's a culture that I see. And uh, it's one that I lived in decades ago in, in the industry, and I just see the, um, you know, it's, it's a repeating itself, which is unfortunate. But I, I, do, I do have a glimmer of hope, Catherine, that things are changing. Um, this isn't what it was uh, within that last major downturn in the industry anyways. Um, I, I do feel a sense of hope um, that um, people do want more depth, like you were talking about. They want the discussions. They want mm-hmm. to know that there's more in life than just going to work, paying the bills and you know, the mortgage on their house and their two cars, garage or whatever, you know. They they mm-hmm. want this discussion. They want to feel excited. Yeah. Yeah. So when Blue Era uh started, it was two thousand and eight, so possibly the wor- possibly the worst time to start an executive search firm in Calgary because everybody was laying off, right? Um, um, so that actually, that time, because it was so tough, was it was an invitation for us to do things really differently. So in in challenging times, it's an invitation for us to get more creative, more innovative um, than, than we have been in the past. So for Alberta in particular... I think there's a real invitation for us to use our skills differently. We're very, very, I've lived almost everywhere in Canada or in almost every province. Um, and what I notice about Alberta is we do have this entrepreneurial energy. So how do we use those skills and apply it to the challenge we're in right now? Uh, and, and so that would be my, my invitation for every uh, leader in in our province to get more creative, get more innovative, to use these challenging times to propel us yes. um, in, in new ways and in new heights uh, versus kind of our traditional mode of being and doing in the oil and gas in- industry. Uh-huh. Exactly. It, it it does challenge us, and um, and we need to be challenged because things need to change. Or like you say, seventy-five um, percent of companies within the first uh, ten years are not going to make it. Yeah. So um, that's a message that needs to be delivered, and uh, and statistics. And I like how you said that we need to show statistic data, and this is what other companies are doing. This is what you know seventy-five percent can fail within the first ten years. So what are you what are you going to do differently? To survive and thrive and get excited about what your, you know, your your passion is to your business. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So, what type of things do you do, Catherine? Like, do you do a lot of speaking, or what type of things? Are, uh, how you how are you delivering your message right now? So, um, if you go onto our website under awakencompany.com, there's a list of services that we do. So we work within organizations uh, to help them define what are their cultural metrics, what are their important metrics. We also help them to define vision, values, and then do the whole measurement process that we spoke of. Um, As well, I do keynote speaking. We do executive coaching. We do play shops um, to help organizations awaken, awaken the fire and the people who our team who we work with it's super playful um super fun super passionate and super deliberate or or, or purposeful so that's uh what i'm doing with uh, the awaken company perfect and i also see that you have started the awaken project what's that all yes. about so i you know i was very angry brenda with the way women were being treated in organizations, so not only the way women were treated, but also the way uh, female representation in organizations. 
So I'm like, how do I turn this anger into love? How do I uh, go from a place myself of that asleep place of just being angry and complaining about it, really, to uh, being proactive? So I partnered with um, an Alberta artist uh, in Edmonton, a female artist, and said, okay, what can we do here? And it was uh, the owner of the Rubaiyat who actually connected us, Morgan. And she said, Kathy, you need to talk to so-and-so. And, and I love that it was also local. Mm-hmm. And so we launched the Awaken Project where 50% of the, of the profits are going to set up a fund to help women to start their own businesses. So this is kind of my it. mind. I think the best organizations look at a problem and come up with solutions to it. So that's what the Awaken Project represents is the, you know, my turning my anger really into love and deliberate action to be helpful right. rather than just be hurtful. So. Oh, that's so perfect. Um, because yeah, we can get so bitter. I mean, I have absolutely, and I know that it damaged. You know, was related to my health issues in the industry. So um, yeah, just getting into that empowerment. And, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations to you for, uh, you know, helping to fund female entrepreneurs uh, because um, obviously the oil and gas industry is not female-dominated and um, and we need to get empowered. And Alberta is very much an um, entrepreneurial spirit, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are made of entrepreneurs and, um, I've, yeah, I Congratulations again! How you've been able to turn that around, and because I can just hear it in your voice. I mean, that excites you. <laughs> like, like it, you're it you're is. giving back, and it it, it it sounds really good. I can again, I can hear that enthusiasm in your voice. And you know, I think also, you know, Blue Arrow was founded by two female entrepreneurs, and I don't know if there's any other province where we could have been as successful. So as tough as you know. It may have been um, with not very many people in the boardrooms that I visit, not very many women in the boardrooms that I visit. You know, there is an openness to having um, female entrepreneurs participate. So we need to see that kind of that, you know, Leonard Cohen talks about where the cracks are, that's where the light gets in, is to keep on going for those cracks and just shining the light as brightly as we can. Um so it, it you know i think there's so many there's just so many possibilities for all of us and what type of world do we all want to create together that those are the kind of conversations i'm really interested in having um is how do we create better worlds together yeah and what kind of future is there you know for your for your children you know, you want mm-hmm. them to be excited about whatever field they desire to get into their profession you want them to be excited and to lead by example so you're leading by example and that's what we need to do we need to lead by example yes yes and for all children you know for all children Uh well i i definitely um connect with your with your words and i i really do recommend um I really do recommend people, you know, pick it up, um, this Awaken Company book, uh, Catherine R. Bell. Um, and you give great examples in there, again, with companies and how we have to be awakened people. Take take the initiative, you know, listen to our entire being and, and, and the compassion that's needed to, so that we can transform a business environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's needed. Um, so thank you for for taking the initiative. Obviously, um, you you have written this a few years ago, but as I mentioned earlier, I just came across it last year and really struck a chord with me because it's time to give back. Um, and um, you know, you you've gone through your challenges, a lot of challenges in life, and you know, you might as well uh, help with the movement and sounds like that's exactly what you're doing and, and how you're um, getting back with these women and supporting them. I think that's beautiful. I, I really do. So I congratulate you on um, on your your own way of, of contributing and, and supporting women in the workplace. 
Thank you, Brenda. And there's another book in the works, so stay tuned. Oh. Stay tuned. <laughs> Can you... Stay tuned. Okay. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, that's, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, good for you. So you can be found on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and the blog. Um, now, can you give us any, any information or how people, they want to get in contact you, would they go to, where would they find you? Or if they want to email you a question or that type of thing, what so would you So awakencompany.com is the website, mm-hmm. and it's Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at awakencompany.com. Dot com and that's a w a k e n e d c o m p a n y dot com. So Catherine at awakencompany dot com. And I'd be happy to answer uh, any questions people may have. Excellent. So yeah, let values be your compass uh, is another um, chapter <laughs> or moment. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know where where are our values? Values in ourselves as to our company organization so really looking at that and um, let's get this movement going even if it feels really difficult and there could be resistance but um, might as well (laughs) well what kind of what kind of world do we want to live in right yeah and and exactly and and what you know at the end of the day what do we want people to say about us how what have we contributed what are their memories of us as individuals? And that that is powerful. So that was a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Catherine, for coming on. I, I do appreciate it. And um, um, I will be posting this on my website of whisperingenergetic.ca. I'll, I'll be posting that. And um, thank you. And we'll... I'm interested in this upcoming book that you're you're mentioning, so we'll have to talk here again. <laughs> well, thank you for hosting me, Brenda. It's been a, a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So um, take care, and we'll be talking soon. That sounds All good. Right. Thanks, Brenda. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.